0: This is Talent Jockey. to Talent Jockey. This is a podcast for job seekers, recruiters, and hiring managers. I'm your host, Sean Kelly, and I'll provide advice and insight into the world of talent acquisition. This is the first episode of Talent Jockey, so thanks for tuning in and subscribing. Much appreciated. So this is going to be kind of run fast and loose. Many episodes will probably run that way. But for our first episode, I thought, what should we cover? So let's talk about the podcast and what that's going to be all about as we venture forth. So the Job Seekers, I mentioned that. And with Job Seekers for you what you will get out of this podcast. We'll talk about resumes of course, interviews, salaries and negotiating salaries, finding your ideal opportunity. Social media will probably play a role in that somehow. Um talking to the d- different parties that you're going to run into as you seek your next job opportunity, which will include hiring managers and recruiters, right? So we'll loop those folks in. And then uh, we'll field some questions that you might have and talk some about some of those details. Recruiters, so why would you want to listen to this podcast? Well, I'll give you some insight on in how to find some good candidates, how to conduct good phone interviews, face-to-face interviews. Um, Working with clients, and clients can be either, you know, if you're in staffing, you have actually external clients that you're working for and you're hired to find good talent for them, you know, and placing those individuals. Or if you're in corporate recruiting, your customers are going to be actually internal hiring managers, right? You're going to have a business unit that you support. And then, of course, maybe, you know, touch on how to build a pipeline, sourcing versus recruiting because there is a difference and and most of you recruiters out there in the industry and when i say recruiters <clears throat> i want to make that clear that i could be talking about actual recruiter or a sourcer right sometimes those terms get interchanged and for sourcers that take pride in that title you know i apologize it's not a dig on what you do and how you do it but you know, some of the folks that are out there don't know the difference. And I'm not talking about recruiters in the industry, but just job seekers and hiring managers. They may not know. And then, of course, hiring managers, how what are you going to get out of this, right? So hiring managers, you know, what is your role in hiring besides actually pulling the trigger and interviewing the candidate and the, the talent that you want? Um, but it will also help in recruiting talent. How How can you play a role in that? Because I think some of the hiring managers that are out there simply have a need, a vacancy, somebody's left or they've created a new position in their department, they engage recruiting or a vendor, in, in the vendor I say staffing firm, yet they may stumble because, let's let's face it, hiring managers do a lot of different things day to day and hiring isn't one of them, right? Hiring usually will come, you know, maybe once a month. That's frequent, right, if you have a lot of turnover, or maybe once a quarter every six months. Or if you're a fortunate hiring manager, you may not have had to replace anybody on your team and haven't had to go through the process of hiring and finding talent for your team to get the work you need done, done. So, and of course, those are just some of the highlights. And that's going to change throughout the the shows and the journey that we're going to have through this podcast, The Talent Jockey. So one thing, and I'll elaborate why I'm targeting all three of them, right? I could have done a podcast about job seekers or just about recruiting and how recruiting works. But the reason I want to bring up all three is because I've run into this, and I'll go into my background a little bit in the show, but, you know, there's been times where um, as a recruiter, I've run into, you know, situations, you know, well, let me start up back a, a bit. So with all three of those, they all have an ultimate goal, right? A person wants a good position and they want to get into uh, a job that they're going to love and enjoy working for somebody that's challenging, you know, that challenges them. Um, They get good benefits and compensation, but it's rewarding to them um, just doing what they love. And then recruiters obviously want to find that talent for, again, their client. And so they have a vested interest in making that happen. And then, of course, hiring managers need somebody to get it all done. And what I've witnessed in my experience is that all th- some of those or one of them, right? And I say either a job seeker, recruiter, or hiring manager doesn't know the insight into the other two, right? So if you're a job seeker, you may have an idea of how a hiring manager is hiring, right? You might even have been a hiring manager yourself, right? But you don't know how recruiters work or what your role is you know, as a job seeker and helping um, you yourself get recognized. And then recruiters, obviously, you know, there's good recruiters, there's not so good recruiters, but they may not know the challenges that job seekers have. And and most do, don't get me wrong, but nonetheless we could have a little tips here and there or even hiring managers, right? They They know job seekers coming to them for a job, but you know, in today's market, it's not necessarily the case. And I think there's a, you know, a piece of uh, the industry when it comes to hiring managers where they have a sense of entitlement when they are hiring people, right? I have the vacancy, you know, I have an individual that's applying, I'm in the driver's seat. And just recently, I had a buddy buddy of mine, I had lunch with him. He went and uh, a friend of his said, hey, I know this guy, he does web design, I think he's pretty good. And he said, hey, why don't you come down and I'll have you meet the team. Or they said, hey, let's bring him in. We'll, we'll meet with them. And so my, my friend of mine went down there and he was under the impression that he was merely going down there to literally meet the team, that he was it wasn't a formal interview. He didn't dress the part. So he literally went with like his, you know, jeans. And I know how he dresses, jeans, shirt, um, you know, typically a button shirt. But he didn't dress to to impress anybody as far as an interview goes. And when he got there, they they took him around and showed him around and brought him into kind of where they work, showed him some of the projects they were working on. And he realized it, it was very interview type, right, uh, a type of setting. Individuals would say, well, how do you do this? Or how do you accomplish this? Or how do you treat a customer if they don't really like how you're doing your job or what have you? And so he said, you know, he at one point he said, you know, I didn't come down here um, under the impression that this was going to be a formal interview. I'm actually coming down here to see if it's something that I actually want to consider. And so there was a disconnect there. Now, there wasn't any recruiter involved, right? It was more of a referral than anything. But here you've got one side of the team that says, oh, we have the job and we're going to test this person or we're going to put him through the, all the questions that we want to ask and see if he's a good fit for the position, either technically with the qualifications and education and just personality plays a role in that. And then he says, you know, I'm coming down here kind of to talk to you and find out if you are a fit for me as a position. And so it, that's another reason why I want to do the podcast because I think with hiring managers, going back and circling back to hiring managers, there's a, some of them, not all, have that underlying thought that they are the ones in the driver's seat. And that's not always the case, right? Um, I've been in positions where I I don't need necessarily that position, but I'm entertaining it to see what it's all about. And if it is a good match all the way around, then it's something to consider. Um, And of course, we have job seekers that aren't in that position that really do need a position. And then how do you come across when you're not necessarily in the driver's seat, right? But you want to still have the confidence to convey to the hiring manager that you're not desperate for their position, right? So it's just something that I highlight because, well, I don't know. It's, it, again, a disconnect between the three. So, again, I'm trying to bring it together where it's a win-win-win ending for everybody, and I think it's really awesome when that always – when it comes together, right? So – that's what a little bit about what the podcast is going to be about, and you know how how to figure out what episodes to tune into, right? So if you're a job seeker, you're probably not really concerned with hiring managers. I may beg to, to differ that um, and argue that I think it's good to know what all everybody's roles are. But of course, you know, episode two we may talk about resumes. Recruiters may not be interested in listening to that. However, again. They themselves may not benefit from the podcast or the information that I convey, but they can always send, you know, let somebody know that may have sent their resume in and it wasn't that good and they don't want to take time to coach them or go through, hey, you really need some revamping of your resume. Here, why don't you just go and listen to this guy's podcast, right? So they've already heard it. They know what I'm about. They know the advice and the the insight that I provide. So they refer that person over to to listen to one of the shows. So I think it's something, even though it's not in your wheelhouse, you can still benefit from some of the insight that I'll provide. And you know what? If you don't, and that's okay. You just skip through and then look through to another episode. Now, I'm going to try to tag most of them, whether it's a job seeker, recruiter, or hiring manager type of focus on that episode, and I'll have that on the website, and I'll have like a tag cloud out there talking about some of the things, and Obviously, the more we talk about it, the bigger the words get on talentjockey.com, which is the website you want to go to. So, you know, uh, that's one way to to navigate through the episodes we'll go through. Duration. I'm on the fence with this. I was looking at probably a 30 to 60-minute show with a sweet spot of about 45 minutes. We'll see. Um, But I'm looking to be consistent, number one. I want it to be the same all the time. I don't want somebody to say, oh, it's an hour episode every week that I want to tune into and then one week it'd be 30 minutes and you're like, oh, well, I feel like I felt short. However, just much much like containers of liquid, right? I don't want to fill a 60-minute show with 30 minutes of content. That's not fair to you. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking 45. It depends on how long I can talk by myself and um, be long-winded and not talk myself in circles, which won't be fair to you. So that's a little bit about what, so why, right? And I touched on that in the what. It's to help you and then triumvirate is what I would probably call it. Um, I also get, you know, I also get contacted quite often on, by somebody. It might be an individual to help them with their resume. Um, they might have seen me on social media, which I'm pretty active on, Twitter, Facebook, Google+, Instagram, what have you. Or I might have met them on on one of my events, and uh, they had a good conversation with me. And they say, "Hey, I have a friend of mine. I talked to you about a year ago. I was wondering if you could give them some advice or talk to them. They could certainly use it." And I, you know, it's not really something I do. So, would you be willing to do that, Sean? So, you know, that's another reason. And maybe now I can just point them at certain episodes, or you know, set up that con- type of contact. And then I also get um, contacted by organizations to speak to their group um whether it be a university or a local college to come and talk to their classes or students on navigating the job market or what's the job market about what's so my forte and I haven't gone into who I am or what you know what I've done in my background but you know I've talked to uh IT classes at colleges because people are just starting out whether it's a career transfer right they might have done x and now they're moving into y and it happens to be information technology, which is kind of my forte when I did recruiting. So that's one of the, the whys. Um, it's also to learn. So while I'm sitting here talking to you as just, you know, as a podcaster, as the talent jockey, it doesn't mean I have all the answers, right? And I think it's, we all have, it's all growing and it's all learning. And if you stop learning, some people say, the minute you stop learning is the day that you die, And I think that's true. We all have something to learn or even improve upon. And that's one thing I could certainly um, look at too. So I I am not the be-all, end-all, but I certainly have some experiences that I can provide to you for sure. And then, of course, how are we going to do it? Well, you know, obviously the podcast, we're going to have the website, social media. But, you know, please, you know, I, I reserve the right to change things up as things go on, right? We, I, I mention all this now and then all of a sudden maybe in one year, maybe in four weeks, I say, you know what? This just isn't the right format, right? It's not getting the information to the people that need it or it's not the right type of information that they're looking for. I don't know. Or maybe it's not the right format. So allow me to be a little flexible in that and I'm, I'm certainly willing to listen to your feedback. Um, you know, send me an email, give me a voicemail, And I'll let you know where you can do those at the end, near the end of the show. So, we may do interviews. Um, We may, you know, those interviews may be industry insiders, coaches, professional coaches, leaders in staffing or heads of talent acquisition in major corporations that might be able to give some insight on what they do and how they approach different challenges um, within their own company or organization. But really, we're just going to go with the flow right i'm i'm pretty laid back for those of you that are listening that actually have met me and know me thank you so much uh for tuning in i really appreciate it but you know what i'm talking about you know how how i am and my personality i'm a pretty laid back guy and hopefully that comes through in the show so having said that for those of you that don't know me maybe i should talk a little bit about my background right if i'm going to provide you some advice you probably want to know who this guy is and what he's about because you may say, hey, this, you know, maybe you give me some benefit of the doubt and say, you know, this guy may know what he's talking about. I don't know. And I have a friend of mine who could really use some of this advice. Uh, they're going to go, well, who is this guy? You know, why should I listen to him or why why should I take his advice? So I'll go into some of my background. And this is not the autobiography of, of Sean Kelly, um, although at the end of this, it may very well be. I'm just going to take a drink here. Uh, just to wet my my vocal cords here. Okay, I apologize. Thank you. So, uh, I'm, I'm drinking some, like, apple juice, so it's very, it gets my tongue going, and I'm trying to make sure I'm not too close to the mic when I'm smacking my lips or my tongue here. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, my background. Oh, where do I start? I was back in 19 I won't go, I won't do that to you. But um some highlights of my background I think that and and I don't say this to and I don't go into this just to bore you or spout off my resume or my credentials, even though I think there is a little bit of the credential piece of it, because again, it goes back to, if you're going to listen to somebody for advice, you really kind of have to know the shoes they've been in. But it really is about a lot a lot of different things. I find it interesting to, you know, when I talk to people and I say, hey, what do you do or where are you from? And they say, well, I'm from Madison, right? Madison, Wisconsin, which is where I'm, where I am right now. And I say, well, how did you, you know, are you originally from Madison? And they say, no. And I go, well, where are you from originally? And they say, well, I'm from California or San Francisco, California. And I say, well, how does one person go from San Francisco, California to Madison, Wisconsin? Because that's pretty different. And so they tell you a little bit about that journey, right? Whether it was somebody they knew, maybe it was family. And then you start to, I mean, just right away, you start getting into a little bit about what's occurred in their life. Of course, they're not gonna, they may not go into a lot of personal detail and that's okay. But I'll tell you a little bit about my journey so you guys can get an insight to to my background and what I've done, where I've been and hopefully maybe where I'm going. I don't know. Sometimes we just don't know where we're going. <laughs> so, um when I when I got out of when I got out of high school, I guess I'll start there. Um I really wasn't the cookie cutter college I wasn't meant to go to college, I don't think. It's just not – it wasn't who I was when I was getting out of school, right? I had cousins that studied really hard in high school, and I just kind of coasted through. Um, You know, I was always the, you know, oh, he's got so much more potential. He's a really smart guy, smart kid. And, you know, if he just applied himself more, I mean, obviously moms – my mom said that, but, you know, eventually – so what I did is I went into the military, and I enrolled – enrolled – I enlisted for a couple of years. Um, and when you enlist in a couple of years and two years in the Army, t- typically you're, you're combat arms. And so combat arms is infantry, artillery, you know, your front line type positions. And so I was in the military for a couple of years, and I got out. And before I got out, uh, or when I got out, um, I was actually not even legal to drink. I was 20 years old. And I had about two more months before I could actually drink legally in the United States. And I say in the United States because I was stationed overseas for two years in Germany. Uh, actually, it was like a year and nine months before I, until I got there. And so uh did my job, uh, learned a lot, uh, did pretty well um, as far as you know what achievements I did in, in the military. Um, got to a certain rank uh, as an E4, Spec 4. For those in the military, you guys know what that is. For those that don't, um, you have Private, you have Private you have private E2, which is one stripe, and then you have Private First Class, which is a stripe and a rocker, right? A rocker is that curvy thing at the bottom of the chevron. And then you have a, a specialist or corporal, right? They're, they're the same pay grade, but the corporal is more of a leadership position and a specialist is more of a, you know, staff position. Staff position, and then after that you have sergeant, non commissioned officer, which is sergeant, uh, and then it goes up through the sergeant ranks. So I, I did get that within the time period that I was in. And I I got it ra- rather sooner than I did later. Right? There's some mandatory time frames that you get promoted. So you you know if you're not doing well, you're eventually going to get rank anyway at those early enlisted uh, positions. But I did fairly well. Uh, got out, and uh, I got out for a year and a half, and then went back in crazy enough and I spent uh, another three years in the military and again most of that was two years another two years in Germany so I spent four years in Germany all together and I spent a year in wonderful Oklahoma um, and uh, a very different place that I've ever been Uh, a lot of dust storms can come through there Uh, but it was nice it was good you know we'd go I'd go down to Texas every once in a while and visit friends of mine and um, then I got out so as you can imagine, when I was in the military, I didn't have a lot of talent and a lot of skills that I could apply directly to a civilian type position because I was in artillery, right? And in artillery, I was in fire direction. So a lot of folks in the military will say, well, artillery, then you're just a cannon cocker, um, you know, ground pounder kind of person. I'm like, no. Well, so I'd always get not offended, but I'd stick up for the position I had, which did involve some brains, right? So an artillery he had the brawn, the brains, and the forward observer, the eyes, right? And I was in the brains part of it. So, forward observers out in the front calls in to the brains. The brains calculates all the information and then sends it down to the brawn, which are the guns, and then they shoot the the big rounds downrange and and blow blow up stuff from quite a distance away. So that's what I did. I I did all the calculations for fire and. Uh, A lot of other different things while I was in the military. But nonetheless, I got out. And um, as long as I can remember, I was always a computer geek. Um, Had a Commodore 64 when I was a kid. And uh, had a lot of computer magazines lying around, PC magazine. uh, Apple, had an Apple Mac growing up. And eventually, I I went to school, started going to school for computers and technology. And... um, Got a a position, uh, my first IT position doing break-fix, and that's repairing hardware and putting computer systems together. And, you know, personal computers, right? We're not talking like military systems or any type of server systems, but mostly of your typical personal computer stuff today. And I did that for about a year and a half, two years, and then I went into business for myself with a partner of mine. And uh, things didn't work out well. Um, It was mismanaged. And, uh, I was a complete, and I, we had a crew of like six to seven staff work for us and I was just not a very good leader at all. Um, and I look back and it was just what I would consider lack of professional maturity. Uh, I was just a tyrant. I was working seven days a week, minimum of 12 hours a day for about two years and commuting 40 minutes one way. And it was just not a very healthy environment, um, I'm actually married to the woman that I was seeing back then. And, uh, we, we went through that together and she can attest to, to that whole debacle. When I was in business, very big learning experience. If it was one thing I learned, it was, you can't treat people like, like dirt. And, uh, even over years, I have one of my staff members that I'm a tabletop gamer, which, so, uh, if you don't know what tabletop gaming is, it's really pencil, paper, and dice stuff, you know, and, uh, I have one of my my old employees, um, a buddy of mine who's now gaming with me, and I saw him years later, and I said, hey, look, I got to tell you, I got to apologize. I was a really bad, you know, manager back then, and, and just not a good person, and, you know, I hope you don't hold that against me. I've learned a lot. I just want to say I'm sorry, and, you know, now we, we game together, and, you know, it's all water under the bridge, but, you know, there's some people that work for me that, you know, I haven't had the chance to apologize, but very big learning experience overall. And then, uh, of course, I went into customer service because that business failed miserably and I needed a job. So I went into customer service. And the reason I, I, I highlight my customer service background, because I think that any role that you're in out there really needs to know what customer service is about. And so I did a lot of order fulfillment, working with customers. And even before... Even before getting into IT, I did customer service in a call center. So I've got about four years of customer service background. And, and that I'll tell you what, one thing, my and that's how I met my wife. She was working in customer service as well. Uh, you know, and she did coaching and she kind of did a little bit of supervisory um, role in her, it, we met at the same place. But we would talk about some of the people that we work with. And some of the people uh, in customer service you know, there's people that you, that inherently have customer service savviness, right? They're on the phones, they know how to empathize and sympathize with customers. And then there's some that just don't, don't, right? They struggle and they usually don't do very well in that, that realm. But customer service isn't a huge high paying position that I've known, at least the ones that I've been, uh, that I've had. And so you do kind of, hope to coach them. You know, they they run the scripts, they can get through the computer screens. They do the job and they get the job done, but they're never going to be very exceptional. And sometimes it's just good enough for the company. Um, But yeah, I did customer service and uh, I wanted to get back into IT. And so one day I went to apply to a position um, and I thought it was an actual IT, IT position. So I filled all the paperwork that they had me do and sat in, you know, got escorted to a room and the recruiter will come in and talk to you in a second. I said, well, recruiter, huh? That's weird. Okay. And the recruiter came in and uh, started talking to me about what I was looking for and blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, I, I applied to a position here and I, I'm not sure, you know, and they're like, oh, this is a staffing firm. And I said, well, I didn't even know. I didn't even realize it, right? I'd been to temporary, you know, placement. You know, sometimes their staffing firms are called, you know, temp agencies, something along those lines, labor agents, labor, you know, labor type of organizations. And I've applied to those and that was years ago. And when I applied to this position, I thought it was like an actual IT position. And so when he came back and said, well, I'm, you know, in staffing, I'm like, this is a staffing firm. You know, we may already have somebody up for that role that you applied to, but let us get your information so we can find you uh, an opportunity that, because we come up with opportunities all the time. And I said, okay, sure. So I went and that was it, you know, gave him all my information and uh, went home. And over time, I told him where I'd apply and uh, for what positions and what my current situation was and status updates. And one day uh, that I did that, he said, hey, you know, um, I think it was in an email, actually. You know, and I was like, hey, Sean, uh, I want to let you know that come the end of next week, I will no longer be with the organization. Uh, it's a good organization, you know, I'm just moving on to different, you know, something new and somebody else will be your point of contact here, you know, recruiter. And having said that, you know, would you consider maybe being, a re- you know, taking my position or trying out, you know, applying for my position? And at the time, I wasn't working. Um, I was between jobs. And I thought, you know, the last thing, I I mean, I don't know. I think recruiting is one of those positions where you don't grow up, right? You don't ask Little Johnny or little Sally, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? and they go, "I want to be a recruiter. I think it's just something we you come across and you get into um and so you know usually it's I want to be a fireman and I want to be you know uh you know president or whatever it is. So I fell into recruiting, and one thing when I did was i when I talked to the staffing firm at, that I worked with at the beginning. You know, I was very adamant about not wanting to do sales because I'm not, I don't consider myself a salesy person. And, uh, no, they said, no, it's recruiting. You know, you talk to candidates, you'd, um, line them up with positions. And it was a technical, an IT staffing firm or a, an IT, the IT division of a, a international staffing firm and they typically like to recruit folks with a technical background because you can talk the the lingo, understand the lingo and and it gives you an edge in their company. And so they those people tend to do very well if they can be a good people person and t- you know, talk with them and iron all those details out. So I went through that and You know, maybe down the road, I might touch on my experience in actual, you know, getting into that role because it wasn't easy. As a matter of fact, I was passed up, you know, for, I was actually passed up uh, for the position originally and I had interviewed with six, seven people, but eventually got the position. So, uh, you know, remind me, if I don't bring that up down the road, I'll I'll tell you a little bit about that because it's interesting Uh, and it speaks a little bit about perseverance. So I did that for a while and then. Even in that position, I, I did recruiting, did very well. And then over time, we um, we had some salespeople that didn't do very well on the sales side. So in this particular instance, I worked for an organization where there was a recruiter and a salesperson. And salesperson did all the calls to the clients, and the recruiter would su- supply the people that he would he or she would interview and interact with and listen to the job requirements and say, oh... That's John or that's Jane. Here, here's their background. Submit them submit them to your client. They'll do really well. And so we had some salespeople that just didn't close deals very well. And we said, well, maybe they could do all right in in recruiting. Well, it doesn't it doesn't ha it doesn't benefit anybody if you have four recruiters and one account person, one salesperson. So, you know, I took my shot at sales and uh to balance out the team a little bit. And I did okay. Uh, It wasn't bad. Uh, I didn't flounder. And it was different. But a lot of the people I talked to were even clients that I'd worked with, right? I'd placed candidates there. And so I was kind of in the back, right? In the shadows, working for some of the clients that I later got to interface with. Or if I was working with a sales individual, um, that sales individual might even bring me along to introduce me to their client um, and say, hey, this is Sean. He's the recruiter. He's going to be working on finding somebody for your role. Just thought I'd bring him along so you could see your work environment, get you know, get to know who you are, what it would be like working with you and your team. And so that gave us kind of an edge that way. But so when I went to sales, some of them weren't complete strangers. Some of them were. And it was, it was totally cold calling. Uh, I made, you know, on if I made all my numbers, um, it was a very numbers driven, very cold calling type of environment. Um, and if I made all my, my numbers, I'd literally have to call close to two hundred people a week. Two hundred a week. Um and then also you'd had to do so many um so many meetings for the week. And then you had to close so many deals a week, and if you did that you would be successful and the company would say, "Hey, you're great and everything's going really well and if you didn't you know you'd probably need some coaching or you'd slide a little bit and uh you know it could be it could be an issue and that's where some of the folks that didn't do very well kind of they just didn't hit their numbers or when they did they were getting their numbers, but they weren't getting the results right so it kind of was like a solution or a uh, an equation right if you did x it would lead to y and if you you were doing X and it didn't lead to Y, then there was an issue in there somewhere and we got to figure that out. So that's a little insight to my my staffing and recruiting days. Um, And I say recruiting and staffing because after that, the economy obviously didn't go that well. And uh, recruiting took a brunt. Uh, Nobody was going to be hiring. Everybody was laying off. And uh, I decided to try something else. And uh, I got into digital marketing. And It was was funny because it was a client that I had met, actually never really an official client, but an individual that I contacted when I did sales, um, paid them a visit, went out there, they had a web division and uh, I didn't know, but they never needed any any staffing or any help. And so I never really did much with them, but I'd always make calls out there and say, hey, just wanted to double check and see if you need any help and uh, give me a call. And they never called me back. Well, I would say after a year, um, I'd call them maybe every every two months, maybe once a month. And uh, this, this organization was hiring. A buddy of mine actually said, hey, they're hiring. Why don't you, you know apply to that position? And I did. I walked in, met the person that I actually uh, had met with as a sales individual. And uh actually recognized me Remembered remembered our conversation and the impression that I left. And eventually he hired me um, and the, the organization hired me and one of the owners. And so that position was like an account manager, web account manager position. I dealt with email marketing, uh, website design development, and not me specifically, but I handled the client relationship. And that was good. I worked with three developers and a designer and did pretty much everything my boss did. Um, did invoicing. Um, I mean, that's where the short That's why I was hired was because my boss was just overwhelmed and they needed another one of him. And so I came in and did that. And uh, we did that for about a year and a half. And then an individual I had worked with in staffing, um, she was in another division, had, you know, I don't know if she contacted me or I saw a post on social media somewhere, LinkedIn maybe. And she was looking for an IT recruiter. And I think I threw her kind of a message like, hey, how's that coming along? And she said, hey, what are you doing? Let's talk. I said, well, I'm not looking. And she said, well, just come over. We'll talk. So I talked to her a little bit and uh, gave me some of the details around the position. And I eventually that worked out. And uh, I left uh, digital marketing and got a position in corporate recruiting. And in corporate recruiting, it's a little bit different than staffing. Um, it's, the pace is much, much different. Um, your client base, right, is not I mean you don't have the luxury of just saying you know what if i get this client that contacts me and says hey i need what what the staffing world would maybe call a purple squirrel and a purple squirrel is just this you know obviously you don't find purple squirrels out there in the world um because oops i'm sorry um but they're just they're difficult to find positions wacky skill sets expectations are just not realistic Um, they're just really hard to find people. And so, um, in some, in some instances, the staffing firm will say, you know, well, we'll do what we can. Right. And we'll give you a call if any updates come our way, but it's a tough position and I'm not going to lie. It's something we don't come across every day and you could just kind of leave it at that. And if you get somebody that shows up and you, you find them, you source them, or they land in your, your you know, talent management system or talent acquisition system uh, or applicant tracking system, great. You call up the client and say, hey. But if it doesn't, you just kind of go on with your day and find the next lead and your next position or next client that's going to hire somebody that you've recruited. When you're a corporate recruiter, you don't have the luxury of doing that. You know, you. Uh, if you don't find somebody, they're going to, I mean, that, Hiring manager is going to walk into your cube and say, "How are things coming? I haven't heard from you. You know how? Do you have any applicants? What's the deal?" And so you don't have that. T- they, you know, so it's the pace is different because you're not making a thousand calls. Um, if you're sourcing, you could be, but it's really not the same. And then of course you don't have the ability to kind of choose what positions you're going to recruit for and which ones you're not. Um. And you don't really, ha- you know, you you try to build a pipeline in corporate recruiting, and some can do it effectively enough, but it's not the same pipeline that you're going to build in a staffing or recruiting firm. It's just it, it's not the same. Um, the money may not be the same, right? The salary's different, the compensation. So when I worked in staffing, not all staffing firms are based on commission. Um, the one I had was base plus commission, and I had a bonus for the amount of people that I had out on billing for the organization that I had placed at customers and they would be there a week or one year and then we'd find them something else or they'd find their own position. Um, So the salary and the compensation may be different. You know, I mean, if I did really awesome in in, in staffing, I mean, I've known people that can make $200,000 plus a year, Um, you know, doing sales or recruiting. Um, In corporate uh, HR, it's usually not that lucrative. Um, It's a base pay and you're going to get your salary. And then you're going to get maybe a merit increase once a year. Um, Maybe your company offers a bonus, but it's not going to be based solely on the amount of people that you place. It's going to be based just on your particular performance as an individual within that organization and not incentive-based, I guess is the best way to put it. And then, of course, the areas uh, that I recruited for um, was because of my IT experience um, and my IT recruiting experience. On top of that, um, I was I was brought in to specifically do that. So, you know, I worked with um, a shared services group, which included information technology, uh, the business continuous improvement area, our vendor management office, because that fell under the CIO at the time our program management office. Um, and so for the organization that I worked for, and I still work for them, um, it was it was a lot. It was a big, big group. Um, and then, of course, some of my associates in that space, um, some of my fellow recruiters in that department had quite a good load themselves. They would have maybe more uh, diverse customer base, right? So where I, I mean... The meat and potatoes of the focus group that I had was information technology. They always They were the biggest one of the bigger groups. They always had a lot of needs, and um, some of the other ones, you know just didn't come up very often, right? So our vendor management office was smaller, business continuous improvement area was smaller. Our program management office would hire a lot of contractors and do a lot of conversions. And that's how their hiring model worked. Um, so a lot of it was really .IT. based on what I, what I, what I would do um typically week to week so that's a little bit about my background um and i hope i hope that was valuable because you know one of the things i talk when i go and talk to groups especially at like am uh, a small college here you know they may i may people are just getting into I, I get into a class that is like a prerequisite so there's a lot of different people in the class And many have to take that class to get into other different information technology courses at the college. And I go and talk to them and I bring up my background. And it's not, again, not to bring up my credentials necessarily, but it's to give some insight into how you think you are and where you are now and where you potentially could be down the the road, right? College graduates, university students – You know, interns, I talk to interns um, even now and I say, hey, I I bring this up because you're looking, you know, you have a degree in this. You're looking to get into this field. You don't know where it's going to take you. I mean, you could be, you know, I'm an economics major and I'm doing, you know, something completely different and has nothing to do with economics, you know, or what have you. And so just keep an open mind. You know, sometimes it's reinventing yourself. Life throws us curveballs. Opportunities present themselves. I mean, I know a lot of information technology professionals that don't have degrees in computer science. I mean, they I have a history degree, and they're like awesome programmers, and they've been doing programming for 15 years. And I say, well, how did you get from, you know, a degree, an undergrad degree in history – to information technology and be an awesome programmer. And they they explain that. And again, it's really interesting to hear those stories because it's just uh, funny how things happen like that. So I hope that was somewhat valuable to you. I look forward to talking much, much more about the topics at hand. Um, So Talent Jockey, you can find the show at talentjockey.com. Or you can find Twitter. On Twitter, you can find it at, you know, at Talent Jockey. And then Google Plus, you can go to google.com forward slash, and then it would be a plus symbol. Talent Jockey Podcast, that's the URL I got over at Google Plus. And then Facebook is facebook.com forward slash spk.podcaster. And that's my own personal Facebook I'm still kind of on the fence on how I want to do the social media bit for the podcast. I also have my own website and my own Twitter account uh, that I may actually just refer people over to in the future. But for the time being, you could check those out on on those situations and those channels. Um, And I really do look forward to providing some good information to everybody that's out there. If you have something where you're just hitting the job market and talking about resumes, uh, so what I'll probably do is start out the show kind of, you know, hey, I just lost my job. What do I do? And then kind of going from that all the way to getting hired and getting to a salary. And as we go through that long cycle, and I say it's really, it's like the hire, it's called the hiring process, but I hate using the word process. Because then it sounds like you're kind of herding cattle and it's a process and step and step, step by step. And it's not very personal. And so, you know, I call it the talent acquisition or steps to acquiring talent. You know, maybe it's just semantics. Maybe I'm getting hung up on stuff I don't need to, but we'll probably talk about some of those details, you know, Hey man, what am I going to do? I just lost my job. We'll talk about that in the next episode. So if you just lost your position, Or maybe you've been hunting for quite a while. You know, we're going to talk about resumes in the next episode, I think, and how to kind of construct it. It won't be obviously visual, but I think I can convey some information, you know, in the show that's still going to get you information that you need. So if you have any questions on a good resume, send them over. You can send email to Sean, S-E-A-N, I got the goofy spelling, Sean, that's Irish for John, at talentjockey.com and then I've got on the contact page of talentjockey.com another method on how you can send me a voicemail and uh, just you know keep in mind I'll probably read those out on the air so let me know if I can and I'll let you go this has been an episode of talent jockey